Everyone has a story. I get them to tell it. Welcome to the Aaron Bender Podcast, conversations with media personalities about their personal and professional lives and journeys. Really appreciate your support, whether you're watching on YouTube or nightly at 11 p.m. Pacific or 2 a.m. Eastern on DB&A TV at dbandatelevision.tv or streaming with the DB&A TV app on Amazon Fire, Roku, and Apple TV or listening on your favorite platform. Before we get to my conversation with Ben Maller, a little about my story. I'm a widowed dad of two girls who just lost their mom, a grieving husband, a man in recovery trying to reconnect with the world with fresh eyes, faith, and perspective, a college journalism professor, a white guy in a world of injustice, a 20-year broadcast media veteran who had his dream job and then lost it. A year and a half ago, God gave me a gift, an opportunity to stop, step back, and breathe so I could learn about love, vulnerability, forgiveness, grace, self-care, patience, and understanding. I'm fortunate to be able to call Ben Maller a friend. He does overnights on Fox Sports Radio, and while he is a success overnights, he is certainly not an overnight success. Ben's been at this for more than 20 years, was a pioneer in the blogging arena. We start off talking about his Clippers and our Dodgers, what the Angels need to do to get Trout and Otani, not just deep into the playoffs, but hey, let's let's maybe get into the playoffs. We talk LeBron and the Lakers, but it's not just about sports. We also discuss the losses we've suffered in the last seven months. My wife and his dad. Let's catch up with Ben Maller. Let's just okay. do it because I want All to start right. Ben Maller. Right. I want to start here talking about your Clippers. Yeah, yeah. I, I was debating wearing, I have actually a Clipper hat I wore right here. You see that? Nice, on the nice. Very nice. But I, that I looks too new. That looks like a bandwagon no, no. hat. No, 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 this is an old hat. This is the old logo. You see that? That's oh, that's right. That's true. Right I didn't even catch yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, this is the, the classic scene because that's when I became a Clipper fan. So I can't wear the new logo. It's too hip. It's too cool. Uh, but yeah, listen, I'm loving it. I mean, listen, the, the Lakers lost. You know, I'm a, I'm a historic Laker hater. So I'm happy about that. And the, the Clippers, the way they came back, they were on life support and they bounced back and rose up from the ashes. It's outstanding, um, but it's only the first round. So I, I, I have to be measured here. Somewhat, Aaron. I cannot be over the top because they still have to beat the Utah Jazz in the second round of the playoffs, which start Tuesday night in Salt Lake City. So it's right around the corner here. This is not a Clippers team that we're used to, that that kind of uh, gritty, grinded out in seven games. There's no way that you were 100% positive that they'd pull off that Game 7 win. No, I, I was confident. I wasn't 100% confident, but I was confident. And, and I'm going to tell you why, right? Because unlike the Doc Rivers era, like they were willing to bench. They benched Patrick Beverly, who was one of their rotation guys. I was surprised by that, yeah. Yeah, and Zubots. And so those guys didn't play any kind of leading role at the end of the series. That's something Doc Rivers would have never done. Uh, but the main reason for optimism, there were guys in the Mavericks that were playing beyond their means, Aaron Bender. They, 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 Tim Hardaway Jr., an average NBA player, played like his father, the Hall of Fame level player uh, back in the day in the NBA. So you figured at some point there was going to be a, a regression to the mean. Would it happen actually in, in time for the Clippers to win? And it did. And, and Kawhi Leonard also. I, I credit the Rondo playoff Rondo death stare when, when, uh, Ron, when in game, I think it was game five, when the three-point shot by Kawhi Leonard was terrible. And I remember they were walking off the court and Rondo gave him the death stare. 
And, and since that point, <laughs> the last two games, Kawhi Leonard shot 70% and was amazing. He was great. He was as good as advertised. What is your prediction or what are you going to look for? What are Ben's keys to the game <laughs> oh, when we go into the, uh, the series against the Jazz? <laughs> You want to go deep in the bag of cliches? No, like, listen, any series, it starts with Kawhi Leonard and also Paul George to some degree. Those guys have to play well. And those are matchup problems against the Utah Jazz. So the Clippers actually have an advantage there. And, you know, you, you don't want anyone outside the norm for Utah playing above their means, kind of like we saw with Dallas. I mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. played really well. And, uh, you know, somebody like Joe Ingles of the Jazz starts knocking down three-point shots <laughs> and, and he can't miss. And he's like all he's like Larry Bird or Michael Jordan. Then you're obviously in a world of trouble there. Uh, but head-to-head, -head, I, I think it goes six, seven games. And uh, I'm going to give the edge. I'm, I'm slightly biased here, uh, but I'm going to give the edge to the Clippers. Considering how the Lakers ended up losing because they lost Anthony Davis can't really be surprised. Uh, well, why you can be surprised because LeBron James, remember Aaron better LeBron James said he was going to put the oh, Lakers on his on shoulders, his shoulders. Right, right. when Anthony Davis right. got hurt. And then he took a ride on, we, we call on the overnight, the vomit comet uh, LeBron did and just went, <laughs> uh, went to hell the last couple of games. And, and the signature moment, the thing I will remember from the Lakers losing to the Suns was when they were getting their doors blown off in Phoenix and with six minutes, a little less than six minutes to go in the game, LeBron walking in defeat back to the locker room while the rest of his teammates sat on the bench and, of course, the NBA media, they always cover for LeBron. No, he was getting some treatment. Like, he can't wait another 15 <laughs> another... minutes to get the treatment. It's that important. He has to leave <laughs> while the game's still going on. I mean, it's, it's total uh, ridiculousness is what it is. And you're wearing a Dodgers hat. It's the first time we've really gotten to talk since the Dodgers took the World Series. Let's talk about how that felt for you as a Dodgers fan, and then let's get into this season. Well, first of all, it was long overdue, okay? Uh, the Dodgers had, going back to the 90s and the Mike Piazza era, the mid-90s, they had good players. They had playoff yeah. teams. They had big-name free agents. They had teams good enough to win the World Series, and they always found a different way to go belly up in the playoffs. And, and I was there even in the 2000s when Joe Torre was managing, and I remember a game against the Phillies when Matt Steers hit a moonshot into the pavilion at Dodger Stadium in the late you know, late innings there that, that derailed the Dodger team. But no, it was good. It was great. It was great to see guys actually come through, especially the way it happened in the playoffs when the Dodgers were buried against the Atlanta Braves and it looked like they were about to lose again and they were going to you know, fire this guy, that guy, trade this guy, that guy. I mean, it was, was going to be open season uh, on the Dodgers. And so for them to come back and win that and guys actually – stepping up because normally what had happened for the Dodgers is there were like yep. out of body experiences by players on the other team. But finally that happened for the Dodgers where Corey Seager couldn't, couldn't make a mistake for two weeks or whatever it was in the, in the world series. So any NLCS. So it was great to see. It was wonderful to see. And Especially as, as like nineties uh, and, and the early two thousands, the Dodgers would find ways to lose. They would, you know, they would be up for, you know, two, two to one, three to two or whatever, and then just completely melt down. So it was yeah. nice to see. Now, granted, I know 2017 with the Astros, we can, we can spend a whole nother podcast on that. Uh, 2018 with the Red Sox, there's just no way you're beating that team. And so well, they were, they were cheating too, though. Don't, don't forget. <laughs> they were cheating too. The Red Sox were cheating too. <laughs> 
they had Alex Cora. They were cheating. Yes, uh, yes. So. But it just just the idea that they actually pulled themselves out of all of those holes throughout the playoffs, it was so good to see. Yeah, it was it was great. And, and you know, but at this point, now they are the Atlanta Braves, right? The Atlanta Braves of the 90s, yeah. playoffs every year, World Series a few times, only won one. That's the Dodgers. And yeah. Stan Kasten, who's an executive for the Dodgers, his goal was to recreate the Atlanta Braves of that era with the Bobby Cox era. And he's actually done it. But to get better than the Braves, they have to actually you know, they have to win another World Series. I need Series. them to recreate the Yankees, not the Braves. I would agree. Yeah, but see, their thing is like they know as long as they're in the playoffs every year, they can keep raising prices at Dodger Stadium. But eventually, <laughs> a Dodger dog will cost you twenty-seven dollars uh, if they keep going the way they're going. And who knows what's in the Dodger dog these days because it's no longer Farmer John. So uh, who knows? But yeah, I mean that's that's the uh, the way of the world. But they, the, the, I, I have not been out to Dodger Stadium since they renovated it, since they allowed fans back. But it. It looks amazing. I've heard tremendous reviews there. I don't know if you've been out there, but it's I haven't yet. No, my my sisters in law and mother in law went to a game uh, about a week after Mother's Day, whatever the homestand was after Mother's Day, and they loved it. They loved it. Yeah, I've had a couple of friends go out there and say, "Oh, you got to get out there. It's amazing." And you know, I, I'm a little bummed out, Aaron, because last year the All Star Game was supposed to be at Dodger Stadium. They yep. didn't have the All Star Game, and uh, I'm going to name drop here. Uh, my guy, Marlins man. You know that guy? That's yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Marlins man's a listener to my overnight show and he's, a you know, a, uh, become acquaintances. Not, I don't know if friends is the right word. Right. Right. But I think Marlins uh, man only has acquaintances. He doesn't have, <laughs> he doesn't have friends. He has acquaintances. He uh, normally has a harem of beautiful women around him at all times, but uh, occasionally he lets an ugly radio guy hang out with him. And so when, he, <laughs> when, when Marlins man comes to town, uh, he does it right. I mean, I, I'll tell you a funny story. So a couple of years ago, 2019, the Dodgers were playing the Yankees at Dodgers Stadium. I get a I get a message, a text from Marlins, man. Hey, I'm going to be in town. I want you to sit, be my guest. You know, we'll we'll do it right. So we're sitting like third row behind home plate. Yep. yep. Uh, if you see an orange jersey behind home plate in almost any park, especially Dodger Stadium, it's going to be Marlins, man. Yeah, so it's the Yankees and the Dodgers. You know, it's Sunday night baseball. It's a big game, big series and all that. So I'm going, I'm, I'm a VIP guest of Marlins, man. So I show up there. He's like, listen, we're going to eat. He's got it all planned out. You know, he does it right. He goes in there. He's like a mascot. People want to take pictures with him. They yeah. want to talk to him. They want to know what's what's this guy all about. And so I, I get there early. We go down, you know, behind home plate, they have that really where the rich people, the one percenters hang out at Dodger yeah. Stadium. And it's the most amazing food. If you've never been there, it's like prime rib. They've got a seafood bar, like all the, the most amazing foods you could possibly want. And so I go in there with Marlins, man. I'm a pretty simple guy, Aaron. I mean, you know, you know me for a few years. I, I don't need the creature comforts. I don't need to live like a one percenter. So I go in there and, you know, Marlins man's eating the prime rib and he's eating the lobster and all that. And, uh, and I go over and I'm like in line with all these, you know, 10 year olds who are getting a burger and fries. They have a burger and fries. Station. And I, I got back to the table and Marlon's man looks at my plate, you know, and I got the plate, the palate of an eight year old. He's like, what are you doing? Oh, there's lobster over there. I'm not paying VIP prices for burgers and fries. Yeah. So did you so, get chicken fingers while you were there? I love chicken fingers. <laughs> To appease Marlins, man, I, I went back. I, I I will eat prime rib, but it's got to be well done. And they don't at high end places. They don't. They do don't do well, well done. done. No. 
Yeah, they spit in your eye if you want it well done. So I I got some prime rib just so Marlins man would give me a break, and I attempted to eat it against you know my wishes. I did eat the prime <laughs> rib, um, and, and then when he was busy talking to other people, I snuck some more chicken fingers and hot dogs and things like that. Well, I mean, you, you say you love chicken fingers. You're talking as a man who has chicken fingers named after him. Yes, in multiple states, by the way. One of my, I, I never won an award. You know, you're an award-winning broadcaster, Aaron Ben. You're a beloved figure. <laughs> In, in radio, in, in LA history. I never won anything. I, I don't, I don't, the only thing I have is I, I a couple of restaurants in uh, one in Kansas, one in Missouri and one in Colorado have named food dishes after me. And there's also a bar, a truck stop in Colorado that's named a drink after me, but that's it. That's all I have. I have the original, the Ben Maller chicken fingers, which is in Kansas city, the Kansas city area, which is just down the street from where the chiefs and the Royals play. Uh, which is great. And then it's like a big basket of chicken fingers. I actually went there. They had the, the restaurant changed names, but I went there years ago. We had the big unveiling and it was, it was kind of fun. And then there's this place called the bird, which is the, we call it the ballet. If you know what that is, uh, Aaron there. In um, uh, yes. Yes. The ballet. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The finer things in life. Uh, and the, yeah, this guy runs this place called the bird which is this legendary uh, jiggle joint there in, in Lawrence, Kansas. And uh, they named a the Maller Fowler after me, uh, which is great. Uh, another chicken sandwich thing. And then in Denver, there's a couple locations that have a chicken sandwich with my name on it. So it's, it's cool. It's a, it's a neat little thing. And, you know, that'll, that'll last until they, they let me go. And then they'll, they'll change the name. But <laughs> I'm enjoying it while it lasts. Before we get away from the hot sports takes that I know Ben Maller is famous for, I want to find out. You grew up an Angels fan, sneaking into Angel Stadium, sneaking into the Big A to watch that team. What's your take on the Artie Moreno era and how you feel like they're going to do this season? I think Trout is out for a few weeks or whatever it is. But – What's your take on whether the Angels can even win with Trout on the roster? Well, time is, it's not running out. Trout's still young, but it's, you know, before you know it, you know how fast time goes by. You're yep. going to wake up and Mike Trout's going to be 34 years old and you're going to be like, well, we never got him pitching. And, you know, it's, yep. it's feel, it feels like, like Joe Maurer in Minnesota signed this forever contract with the Twins and, you know, everyone was all excited. They didn't win anything, but, yeah, Artie Marino is it's like the Angels are the mouse on the treadmill that think they're going somewhere, but they're actually not going anywhere. And I have mixed opinions because when I when I first got into radio, I was the you know the radio stringer guy, the reporter, which I don't think they have anymore, at least in sports radio. And I covered the Angels and Dodgers and all the teams. And I was out there when Joe Madden was a coach for the Angels. I love Joe Madden. Like Joe Madden was one of the few guys that would talk to me when nobody, you know, I was the fat radio guy and they hated radio guys and all that. And Joe Madden was always nice. And I never thought in my wildest dreams he would ever manage in the big leagues because he's always been, he was always that kind of guy behind the scenes that never, you know, really, they never took seriously. Yeah, it was really, then, real casual. Real, I mean, talk about a player's manager. Yeah. And then he went to Tampa and obviously got the World Series and he goes to the Cubs and wins the World Series and that. So I'm pulling for Joe Madden. I, I believe in the shtick of Joe Madden. But you got to get some pitching, and they don't. They don't. They keep getting guys from the Orioles. Yeah, it's not the 1970s. Jim Palmer's not leaving the Orioles to come pitch for the Angels. The Orioles have been horrible for years. What are you doing? 
Cal Ripken is not walking through that door. Exactly. Exactly. Even Mike Nusita, for a more updated (laughs) reference, is not walking through that door, Aaron. My God. Although although I do do feel like uh, if he could walk through that door, he could still get some more quality innings and quality starts (laughs) than what the Angels are putting out there. Yeah, he would be an upgrade in his 50s. He would be an upgrade over what the <laughs> Angels have right now in their starting staff most of the nights. Yeah, it's yeah, so, so frustrating. I mean, you've got Otani just lighting the world on fire this season, and that's it. That's it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, the, the New Yorkers got Yankees-Mets, okay? They got, they got their uh, Subway Series in the World Series. And only, what, maybe twice in our lifetimes – has there even been a possibility of a freeway series? Only once or twice. I need that. I need that in my life. That'd be great. And it would upset the entire country if that happened. <laughs> oh, can you imagine how toxic? Oh, it's not. No one's going to watch the World Series. It's two uh, you know, L.A., Orange County teams playing. I'd be so upset, so angry about that. But the Angels better get their act together because this Dodger run is not going to last forever. At some point, they're going to end up going belly up. They can't keep this up. I mean, they've been a playoff team for pretty much a decade here, every year yeah. they're a playoff team. Although if they keep adding wild cards, it is possible to continually make a play. I mean, <laughs> at some point they're going to keep adding. Last year they added an extra wild card. And so yeah. if that happens, then the Dodgers are set up. But uh, outside of that, they're not going to be able to punch their ticket to the playoffs every single year. Uh, it has been a couple of years since we've talked for the podcast. When we did talk a couple of years ago, I think you were up to 632 nicknames. Uh, or maybe just 39 or whatever it was. What is it up to now? You don't have to run them all down, but if you have some favorites. Uh, Well, yeah, I think I'm up to 49 now, official sanctioned nicknames, not to be confused with the non-sanctioned. I'm known as the, what am I known as? The spin master of misinformation, the bannering broadcaster, things like that. I like the mad hatter of sports chatter. I like that Uh, one. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, ever since my hair started going away, I've become the mad hatter of sports chatter. (laughs) Not by, you know, not by, more by need than anything else. Uh, you know, and there's a bunch of, some of them, other people have the Sage of Outrage, which has been used by, by many people. Uh, Moneyline Maller, I like. Oh, I like my- that. Yeah, of course, as we, as we embrace sports gambling in uh, mainstream and in, in, in the culture. Oh, and let me tell you. In, in our in my business sports radio, this is the gold rush. This is the next couple of years are going to be insanity with all of the gambling money that's entering as advertisers in sports radio. Oh my goodness, we are headed towards uh, glorious times here for the next couple of years. So uh, I'm excited about that. But yeah, I, mean, I got a bunch of nicknames. It's fun, you know. We goof around with that. I don't actually use them that much. I, but I am when I do something positive because people accuse me of being negative. But when I do something positive, I am Benny Brightside. So that is the <laughs> that is the positive side. Everyone's got multiple personalities, Aaron, and I am Benny Brightside when things are looking up. Of course, one of the ways that uh, you and I know each other, in addition to my listening to you on the way, uh, you know, home from work all those years when I was at KFI, uh, we have a mutual friend, Jake Warner. Did yes. you did you give him the Big Brother Jake nickname? No, I didn't give him, I, you know, Jake was a listener and then he went to radio. I guess he went to school somewhere and studied, studied broadcast. I don't remember where. I don't know if it was at Connecticut School of Broadcasting or. It was uh, something, one of those types. Yeah. Things, one of those types. And he showed up and, you know, Jake, you know, you know, Jake, Jake's the very positive guy. <laughs> yes. I got to do his podcast. He, he wanted me on his podcast. We haven't been able to work it out. I got weird hours. I want to thank you, Eric, for accommodating me. <laughs> of course, because, of course. 
my my schedule you know when you look at my my sleep pattern is completely messed up it's upside down and all that so i sleep when everyone's living life and having commerce and then i'm up when no one's awake i know you haven't always done overnights but you're going on what other than like a, a a little a little break an unpaid vacation uh, yeah. Other than that little break, what, 15 years we're talking about here? Uh, uh, no, I, I think it's actually closer to 20 now. Wow. It, it's, it's Yeah, I've been, I did weekend overnights. I did like overnights three, three nights a week, two or three nights a week. And then I've had this, this schedule I'm on right now since 2014. So the last seven years solid. And I did weekends before that on the overnight. And, and I ran a website, my website, benmallow.com. I did that overnight. Even it wasn't radio, obviously, but I would put the website, I would aggregate the sports news overnight, and then I would publish it in the morning. For all the morning shows to get, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly, to do the show prep for them, and then I'd go to bed. Yeah, you're doing your show prep, exactly. (laughs) You're doing their show prep, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. There's a a legendary story that I've heard from Arnie Spanier, the uh, stinking genius who used to work out here and works at Fox on the weekends, and Arnie was a big fan of the website and he went to press print one day at work and it was like 800 pages or something <laughs> like that. He, he didn't realize you can only, you don't, you don't want to print the whole thing. Cause the way the website was set up, it just kept going, 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 going. And he just printed the whole thing, the complete archive of everything that I put on the website, which was like a gossip sports news type deal. He should have it. He should have it bound for you or something like that. Like here, here's the, here's that way. It doesn't go to waste at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like internet stuff, you know, it's there forever, but it's also gone forever. It's weird. Like the, the way yeah. the internet is, it's like stuff's there, but you got to be able to find it and then it disappears. And I don't even own that website anymore. That website, somebody else owns my name, my domain name. I, I gave it up. Yeah. A couple of years ago. What's there now? Should I, should I go there now? Can I, will, will I, will I it infect I, uh, my system? Have you gone there lately? I have not. Let's I, go. uh, I think it was at now.com. Let's see here. Uh, oh, it's it's getting all kinds of redirects. Now it yeah. goes to a different website that I don't trust. I'm t- I'm closing that browser window. <laughs> I'm closing yeah. that browser window. Well, because oddly enough, there were still people that were hoping that I would come back from my timeout from the website. They were, that I would bring BenMallow.com. So I guess it's still there's still people that click on it, like trying to. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and now- I would I would bring it back. Uh, like everyone else, there is a price. And if the price yes. is met, I would be more than happy to bring back that website. And boy, would that be fun. Take me that back to great. your blogging days. You got in very early. It was you. It was Drudge. Uh, and I and I want to say maybe just a handful of other people who would just say, hey, I heard this story. Boom. It, I, no, it was you. It was Drudge. And it was Fark. That was yeah, really Fark, yeah, yeah. That, you. Yeah. And, uh, was it Drew Curtis, I think? Um, who runs Fark? But either way, it, it you you got in very very early on, and I'm I'm wondering like, I I'm always fascinated. I've said this on the podcast before. I'm always fascinated by people who see a lane that's empty or not as occupied as they think it should be, and they're like, oh, I want to occupy that lane. How, where was where'd that thinking come in? Yeah, well, to start, I had a lot of time during the week. I was doing radio on the weekends, and I you know, during the week, I was looking for something to kind of get me going, and I loved finding stories and getting information that wasn't, like, readily available. I was kind of bored with the way this, there were sports websites in those days, but they were pretty generic. It was a lot of, like, Associated Press-style yeah. 
reporting where it was just just the facts and i was more into the, the gossip and the speculation and so i knew that stuff was out there and it was usually buried you know in in obscure locations and i was like well you know why don't i have a lot of time and I, why don't i put it around and i never really promoted my website i just kind of did it and then through word of mouth advertising people found out about it and it became it became a pretty big deal i at one point i was getting people i think i told you when we talked before people were sending me resumes they wanted to join my staff on the website and I, <laughs> your staff <laughs> I, mean, I mean i was your ever-growing you know workforce <laughs> you're like by the way you, if i added you that would then double the workforce <laughs> exactly exactly but it was i got a kick out of that and then you know it was good for my ego because i, I was able to see where people were watching the you know reading yeah. the website and you know i had people at the pentagon and the white house that were reading the website i was like you know, I don't know who they were. It could have been low level people. It could have been, you know, the janitor at the Pentagon, but it might've been somebody who controls tanks. I don't know. Um, and so that was, that was cool. And I saw, you know, a lot of radio companies and TV you know, companies and things like that. So it was good for my ego and that people were enjoying it. And I did get some positive feedback on it, but um, I, I have had a, a couple of buddies of mine that work at ESPN that every time I run into them, they, and I haven't seen them in years because of the COVID stuff, but they'd be like, man, Everyone else cashed in on the internet. I didn't cash, but in, cashed in. All these guys, even even now, just uh, was it a, a couple of weeks ago? Clay Travis, who I, I've worked with, who's replacing Limbaugh at Fox or at, you know on Limbaugh show, he did a show for Fox. He sold Outkick to Fox and made a major amount of money. So yeah. they're still making money. But I, I guess I'm a bad businessman, Aaron. That's the that's the <laughs> lesson. I'm okay coming up with the content, but my business pedigree is not good. Well, you helped usher in this era of covering the transaction, covering all the behind the scenes. Yeah, we, we talked hot stove in the baseball offseason, but that was really, by and large, the only offseason we ever talked about. It was only really for like a week or two at the owners' meetings or something like that. Now it's it's year-round for all leagues, and I feel like you helped usher in that that era. Well, I appreciate that, but it, you know, it, it is also just human nature. Right? You love the unknown, what might happen, and the great thing about trades is kind of like the draft. I've become cynical over the years on the NFL draft. Uh, 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 not just the NFL draft. Let's let's <laughs> let's not get carried away. Well, like, uh, oh, I'm finally cynical about something. <laughs> well, no, but my my position is, but you know, when I was a kid. I, you know, as a night, in the eyes of a child, I was convinced every one of those players, my team drafted, was going to be God's gift to football or basketball. And what really turned it was actually the NBA as a Clipper apologist. And they, they kept drafting these guys that, you know, all American at Georgetown or greatest player in Big East history at Seton Hall. And these guys would get to the Clippers and it's like they never dribbled a basketball before. Yeah. And they were just terrible. And so I was like, year after year, I kept falling. I, I kept getting hornswoggled by this, this mindset of like, these guys are going to be great. And now as an adult, I, and we talk about the draft, obviously my business is in sports radio. It's a big deal to talk about the yeah. draft and it's, it kills a lot of content for several months, but I, my, my default position is no, that guy's not going to be as good as advertised. You know, <laughs> no, no. And most of the time I'm right. You know, very rarely there's the, you know, for every Patrick Mahomes, you have 15 Mitch Trubisky's that come in the draft. So that's just how that, 
that works. And so, yeah, I mean, generally down on the, on the draft as a whole. It's also been uh, a, a while since we've talked. Um, I know since we've talked, my wife passed away and your dad also passed away. How are you doing? How's your family doing? Well, my, my condolences to you, first of all. My, you know, my father was uh, of the age where it was somewhat appropriate, although he was in good health. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing, it, I'm doing okay. I mean, my life's kind of upside down right now. We're still, believe it or not, my dad passed away the second day of uh, this year, 2021, and we're still dealing with lawyers. And as you, you know, I imagine you, you're doing similar things yeah. in your situation. Um, yeah. I had, you know, my, when my mom uh, passed away, you know, several years back. I didn't have to deal with that uh, because my dad was still because around, he, so, Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I'm finding yeah. that out too. It's like, it's much easier when the spouse is there to, to take care of things because all you have to do is call and be like, I'm the spouse. Oh, okay. We'll send this, that, and the other. Now, because of my wife's passing, I'm still in the process. Like I've got a meeting tomorrow about the, my, my estate, you know, trust me, girls, Daddy's not leaving you much. There's not much in the estate <laughs> here, okay? But it it yeah. still needs to be determined so that what I what I went through in the months immediately following Len's passing was much easier. I mm -hmm. can't imagine the 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 types of calls and all the just the red tape and all the other things that my in-laws would have to go through. Not to mention you know, I've got two daughters, six and eight, and it's yeah. not just like, oh, okay, I'm the spouse. Okay, they're they're mine. Well, no, no, who's who's going to take? There's all kinds of things to go through, all kinds, and I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, I I was naive in my situation, and uh, I I feel for you going through that. It's uh, it's just brutal. The just the logistics, like the basic stuff, you know, for you is got to be just a a struggle, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I got a pamphlet from the lawyers, you know, I'm still, believe it or not, my, my father, the house I grew up in, I'm still going through all that and, and yeah. taking that. You know, my mom kept almost everything from my childhood and <laughs> my dad. It's you know, the Mallor Museum. It, pretty much. And uh, my dad, when he you know, passed away, he, uh, we determined that, you know, he wouldn't let me in certain parts of the house after my mom, you know, just stay downstairs, you know, don't go upstairs. And then uh, we determined that's because nothing had changed. It just kept, you know, everything was exactly the same, except that it piled up more stuff. And so it's, uh, it's been a pain to kind of go through all that, but uh, you know, you keep, uh, keep going on and uh, yeah. you look forward to the future, but it is an eye-opening experience. The whole, the business, uh, the business of death, like, you know, yeah. the lawyers involved and all that. And it's, I know from having people that work in the funeral industry that call the show and they, they tell me stories and things, but when you're actually going through something, you're like, whoa, this is a whole new ball game. Whole yeah. Ball Cause, game. cause then you've, you've got to be like, okay, uh, am I emotionally and mentally ready to make these calls today? And then also forgiving yourself if you're not, cause I, 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 after Len passed, I said, cause I knew, okay, I've, I've, I've got to make, I've got to make calls in the, in the week's, following that. I can't just like call up. She passed away in mid-November. I can't call up in January. Like, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, my wife passed away eight weeks ago. Oh, you should have called us seven weeks ago. So, but I, I told myself, I, I'm only going to do one or two things a day related to her death, whether it's a yeah. phone call or the mortuary or whatever it is. And, and, and just forgiving myself for not doing more than that, but also understanding that even if I can't do one or two things, forgiving myself for that. 
Yeah, you, you got to manage it, right? You got to yeah. manage it. You got to be able to, you know, there's no perfect way to do it. That's the thing. I mean, and, and, and also, I, I know people have written books, but I don't think those are really that helpful. I think when, when you're in the, the moment, to me, I think it's more you just got to, you got to figure out your own path here. Yeah, the, the books are for, I feel like, when you're out of it, when, 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 you, when you're past the ship, you know, when yeah. you're knee deep in it. You just you just trying to kind of trudge through it because the mental and emotional energy you spend reading a book on it, at that time at least, that could be better spent going toward whatever it is you need to whatever phone call you need to make whatever errand you need to run you know, it's yeah. now now I, I I will say I have started reading books about it but I feel like I'm in a better place now to take that in, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think when you're when you when it happens, I mean any death, even when it's expected is shocking, right? You're, you still don't think it's actually going to happen. You like to believe, at least I always like to believe, even though I'm negative it's about sports, I like to believe, well, people are going to keep living, you know, they're not going <laughs> to check out. And then, I, you know, we're all going to check out, but it's still, it's, it, there's no perfect time for that. And so I really commend what you've done, man. You were, you've done a great job, Aaron. And uh, my, my hat's off to you because you've, you've been in a tough spot and you've, uh, you've you look good you've gotten some some sun a little bit you're 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 living your best life possible considering everything that's happened smoke and mirrors man that's all it's just smoke mirrors and it's a zoom filter it's not just a green screen it's all it's all this it's just to fool you that's all i gotta tell you i have studio jealousy uh your studio is much better than mine uh i am tremendously impressed with your setup i i have the sign behind me back here and I have I have the light, but I don't really have the soundproofing. I had some soundproofing, yeah. but I had to relocate it. But you've gone like next level. You have network quality soundproofing, uh, which is tremendous. And uh, I'm gonna have to upgrade my game to to get up to the Aaron Bender podcast. So I I, I just recently uh, went to Vegas, uh, just a, a quick up and back to pick up some studio equipment, some acoustic panels that I have not yet put up. But I will show the people for the first time ever okay. on these videos for the podcast, I will show the people what the studio looks like. So obviously we've got a green screen behind me. Okay. I'm yeah. not going to turn that off because I'm just going to yeah. show people. So over here, there's just a, a, a duvet we had in the cabinet that is now hanging from the, the wall there. All right. That's great. That's and great. Then, Cause you want to, you want to suck up the sound. Yep. Obviously. And another doing. duvet comforter <laughs> hanging from the ceiling there. Wow. And then there's another one over there. And then green screen. That is go. great. That's that's that so, setup right there. All I need is to go buy like three duvets. Goodwill, and, baby. Goodwill. Goodwill. If you that's don't have great. it already, goodwill and now, um, and some curtain hooks and nails. Now, the only question here, and this is a big one. I'm a sweater. I sweat like a pig. Okay, so yes. how hot is it? Because I get very hot in, in here. I'm in the middle of the night when it's not even hot outside. It's not too bad. I'm sweating buckets. Oh. Now, the good thing is like, I only am on camera for the monologues. So I can take a towel and you know, <laughs> cover the sweat when I'm, so I'm only on camera for like 20 minutes in the hour. The rest of the time I'm free to. So you've been doing this now uh, at home for more than a year, right? Yes. yes so yes. You, you've been able to do this during the summer. I haven't had a summer yet where I'm in the, an upstairs closet in Santa Clarita. So wow. I, yeah, so I, prepared. I, I don't quite know yet how it's going to go, but I will tell you, look at, uh, look at this guy that I'm hoping is the lifesaver. Bam. Yeah, that's good. Air yeah. conditioning vent. 
I hope you have solar panels for the air conditioning bill, but yeah, no, yeah, I, that's I a, don't. That's uh, the next step. Yeah. That's the next step. Yeah, you got to do it. I recommend buying them if you can. I know very expensive, but uh, because I, uh, I have, uh, we have some in our house. We lease yeah. them. We save a lot of money, but I think to resell stuff, you're better off with the. Uh, I've been thinking about that. Like I, I've, I'm, I'm thinking even if we just get a few panels, like we yeah. don't even need just, just just to run the studio. <laughs> it's not even for everybody else. It's just like, all right, yeah, just run it straight in here. Just straight yeah. into the studio. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing it uh, since, uh, well, I think we started sometime in early April, maybe even late March. The yeah. world shut down like March 13th. Yeah, March 13th, 19th, somewhere around there, that, somewhere, that yeah. second or third week. How was that transition for you? Because like you said, you work overnights. It's you and the janitor usually. And, you know, Eddie's doing the updates and there's somebody running the board. So yeah. it, it's a skeleton crew anyway. But then when you do it from home, how was that adjustment for you? Well, you know, to start, when I, I remember when my boss called me up and said, listen, we're going to have you work from home. You got, I, had, I built this studio because I was doing some stuff for a station in Boston, yeah. WEI. And I really hadn't used it. And then I was... I, I started my own podcast, the fifth hour podcast. And so I did the podcast in here, but that was it. And I remember telling my boss, I said, listen, I got into radio because I love going to the radio station. I love, <laughs> there's a, and, and you're a radio guy, right? But there's yep. a certain energy when you walk into the radio station. It's yes. like, it's cool, man. It's like, this is where the magic happens. And you, you know, it's exciting to be there and there's a lot of activity. And then I always wanted that. And, you know, I, when I interned in San Diego at 690, I would like hang out there hours after my internship. Oh, for and, sure. For yeah. sure. Because I just want to be part of the radio station. And so, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to give that up, but, but now... I'm in a different spot in my life where it's like, well, it's so convenient. I don't have to deal with Caltrans closing the, the freeway at night when I go to work. And I don't have to, you know, I, I can't tell you how many drunk drivers I saw, how many wrong way drivers I saw on the highway over the years working overnight. Um, it, it's crazy. Uh, so, you know, as long as we can pull it up, I, I like it. I, I think it's the way of the future. I wouldn't be totally opposed to going back occasionally, but I think most of the time, I'll be locked in my home studio here going forward with the occasional rare and appropriate appearance <laughs> in studio. But yeah, I don't, I don't see anybody. And when I'm there at night, there's no one around, you know, there's, there's two, I work at the premier building in Sherman Oaks and the overnight shows are me and George Nori and George got his own studio, which is, you know, up in the tower and I'm on the first floor. I mean, the only time I see George is his car. Yeah. And, yeah. If you happen uh, you know, to park at the same time or something. Yeah. 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 So I'll see that. He got, he's got a better car than me. So coast to coast, <laughs> they're making more money on coast to coast than they are on my show. But uh, yeah, that's it. And, and other than that, there's just some engineers and people. And then the, the East coast morning shows, it's pretty funny. I'll, I'll tell you, they, uh, Steve Harvey, legendary entertainer. I'm a huge Steve Harvey fan. Yeah. I love the guy. And, uh, so they built his studio across from the Fox Sports Radio studio. This is a few months before the pandemic. Yeah. And so Steve was out here doing his TV show. And then he occasionally he'd come in. And I actually met him a couple of times. He came in. But then once the pandemic started, that's it. He's nope. never, you know, well, that's, yeah, he, I think he's <laughs> back in Atlanta or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, so there's no, the point is there's nobody there. So yeah, I could get it. It would, it would justify being there if there were actually other people that, you know, it was important for you to be there. That's not the case. Now, here's the thing, though, with people working from home, especially at an odd time like you do, 
your your wife was used to you leaving the house at like eight thirty or nine o'clock, and now it's like, oh, okay. Not only is he home, he's down the street screaming into a my down the <laughs> hall, I should say, screaming into a microphone. Uh, yeah. How was that transition for both of you? Well, it's actually been all right because my wife has odd. She has odd work hours too. She she works as a nine one one dispatcher, so she's on occasionally. They rotate their schedule every like four months or whatever it is at the police station. So she will work overnight some of the time, and then she'll. The tough thing is when she works during the day. And I'm barking, you know, all night long. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I'm like randomly, like I'll start singing, Aaron, you know, na 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 na. And of course, she can't hear any of it because there's the, <laughs> so there's no context for why you're now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just a crazy person screaming into a microphone in a room. But see, now I'm, I'm going to get those those uh, duvets. Yes, yeah, so you got to get the duvets and comforters from Goodwill and just. Good. Yeah, because I don't really, I don't have the the good soundproofing here. I had some stuff, and it didn't. I didn't think it really worked that well, so I kind of got rid of it. And yeah, I know you get up like carpeting helps, right? Soak up some of the sound. If you got carpeting, you can do that. And there's certain things, but yeah, I, I definitely have to cut down the noise factor. That's, uh, that's that for sure. and the the if you go moving blankets, moving blankets would also help. Um, I because I, I'm looking at this and I, I make no money on anything I do. So I'm looking online like DIY this and DIY that. And they're like comforters, pillows, any kind of blankets, any kind of towels. For a while there, I had a, a towel just draped over this desk. So uh, anything you have around the house that you're not that you're not using just goes right up. No, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to upgrade my game. The only thing I'm concerned about, as I said, was the heat. Because I, I imagine being surrounded by blankets yeah. when it gets hot is going to make it like you're in a suntan booth. But yeah, you know, where right. in the house is it? Like, is it just a, a spare room or what? What's the? Yeah, I have. Uh, it's it's kind of like a pass through type situation. It's yep. my office. Yeah. But there's a door on each side, and so uh, it goes out to the outside, and then you can go into the main part of the house here. It's kind of tucked away on the side. The Maller Mansion. Yes, the Maller Mansion. Which is, you know, it's a fun size mansion. You know, it's like you have a full size candy bar and a fun size candy bar. When's but, the last uh, time you ate a full size candy bar? Uh, no, no, I occasionally on the weekends. I, I, I'm into that intermediate. I'm in the cult of intermittent fasting. Are, are you still but, doing that? Because when yeah. we talked two years ago, uh, it it had just. Um, I feel like intermittent fasting really kind of took off two or three years ago. But that when we talked, uh, you had just lost a lot of the weight. What, 200 pounds, 180 pounds or something like that. Yeah. Um, have you have you kept that off and it's intermittent fasting still? Well, I lost the weight without intermittent fasting. I then got married and gained some of the weight back. And then <laughs> since then, I've lost the weight again. Oh, congrats. Because nice. of intermittent fasting. And uh, yeah, it's it's really, I think the rest, you know, however long I have left in this world, I think I will be doing this until yeah. till I check out. Because it's just, for me, I, I cannot, like a lot of people can eat and they can cut calories and, and eat just a little, little. I can't. I got to eat everything. You know, when, I, <laughs> when I eat a meal... I've got to eat a good hearty meal and it's got to stick to my bones. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been fasting. I usually do now my, my latest schedule. I, I was going to ask about the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll fast at the minimum on the weekends. I'll do 16 hours, but during the week I do two 47 to 48 hour fast during the week. Oh, really? So, do, so like, yeah. like Monday and Tuesday, don't eat Wednesday. It's on. 
that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like you know, today Monday. I don't. I'm not eating today. I ate yesterday Sunday afternoon. I ate at probably three o'clock, and then I'll eat Tuesday. I'll eat at like three or four o'clock, and then I I will I'll eat on Wednesday around the same time, and then I'll fast on Thursday. And then uh, on the weekend. Now, the wife does not enjoy the intermittent fasting as much. She's <laughs> she is not a believer in it, and uh, it, it bothers her because I, I usually like I have to fast for at least sixteen hours, and so on the weekends I'll have to eat like back to back meals, kind of. If I'm going to get two meals in, yep. because then I have to get my sixteen hours to eat at a reasonable hour the next day, so it becomes problematic. Uh, so sometimes I'll only eat once on the weekends, also. But, I'll yeah, try just, to do usually like a 12 to 16, just on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do, and and I do kind of modify it somewhat. I'll have a cup of coffee when I wake up, 7.30, 8 o'clock. Yes, it's got cream in it. Uh, don't at me, people. Yeah, yeah, because the intermittent <laughs> fasters are going to come after me. But uh, I'll do some coffee and cream at about like 7.30 or 8 o'clock. And then I like I usually don't eat breakfast uh, until what would otherwise be lunchtime, 11, 30, 12, 1 o'clock. And then I'll do uh, some sort of dinner later that day. And, and then, you know, it starts another 12 to 16 after that. Yeah, no, it's good. And I, I remember when I was younger, there was this guy, Biff Elliott, this old Hollywood character actor, Biff Elliott, who was a radio reporter at the end of his life. And he told me, he's like, He's all, just don't eat. I was fat at the day. He was trying to help me out. I said, just don't eat three hours before you go to bed. He said that. I, you know, <laughs> That's and, his and thing. That was his thing back in the day. And uh, they do tell you that. I remember I pitched some weight loss products back in the day. And that was their whole gimmick was to, you know, drink this and then don't eat three hours before bed. You'll lose weight. But if you really don't eat three hours before bed, it doesn't matter if any, you know, the, the concoction they come up with, you're going to, you're just going to lose weight on that alone. Yeah, that. And, and also if you, once you wake up, you don't eat for another three or four or five hours, then you're, yeah. you're, you're good. You're going to lose some amount of weight. It's not, it, it may not be as much as you want uh, or as much as you think you should be losing, but you're going to lose something like that. Well, also, I remember the, the whole breakfast thing, right? That's a, that's a scam. Oh, right? the most important that. meal of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's one of the great marketing scams of all time. Thank and you. Kellogg's. Yeah. Yeah. They had to sell cereal and, and, it's so ingrained in people's minds. Like you have to eat breakfast. It's the most important, blah, blah, blah. No, no, it's not. You don't, you don't <laughs> have to eat breakfast. And people used to eat breakfast. They would eat leftovers from the night before. And I've read a bunch of stuff online. I don't know what's true or not, but I, I read like in the early days of humans that people would not, uh, would not they'd go out hunting, but they wouldn't always catch something. So they wouldn't always have food to eat. So they'd sometimes right. go days without eating. People think like, there were, you know, hunters would go out and they, every time they went out, they'd get a kill and they'd be able to eat. And it's like, no, they probably were successful maybe at most 20% of the time. Yeah. And so the rest of the time they had to eat whatever they could or not eat at all. Or, or, or maybe they, they get enough just to sustain the hunt. You know, they, they get a yeah. squirrel or they get, you know, something that they're not, they're not dragging a squirrel back to camp, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, uh, you know, you look at things like that, but hey, whatever works for you anyway, as long as you're, you're trying to be healthy, I guess. I never worried about that up until a few years ago. So uh, maybe about this, about, about 10 years, but my 20s and 30s, I didn't care about any of that stuff. So whenever I talk to an overnight uh, guy or gal, uh, I'll always find out because I think listeners are fascinated uh, about sleep schedules. You know, we've talked about the eating. What is your sleep schedule? 
Well, it's pretty messed up. I, uh, I, <laughs> Almost well, 20 my, years in, still messed it, up. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't – I like to wind down. I get pretty worked up when I'm doing the show, so I, yeah. I can't just – People I don't understand that they you don't just turn off yeah. the mic and go to sleep. Yeah, I got to wind down. So I I get off – my show ends at 3 in the morning. You know, usually I have some other stuff I have to take care of, whether it's – you know, interviews I have to do with other our affiliates around the, the country is things like yep. that. So I'll, I'll do that. I'll be done by four in the morning. And then I'll usually, you know, end up winding down for a couple hours. And, and but by the, you know, I get caught reading stuff on the internet. By the time I go to bed, it's usually like seven 30 or eight in the morning. And then, you know, I don't sleep long though. I, I only sleep about four, four and a half hours. So really? I'm usually up. Yeah, I'm usually up by like one o'clock most of the time. I'll go to bed eight, eight thirty. Have you just always been that way, or it's just you know with the overnights, it it's just yeah. like that's what you've settled into. I blame my my parents. My my parents were not good sleepers. <laughs> I inherited that from them. Hey, so, hey, we just went over this. They're not around to defend themselves, and here know, you are throwing them. At, yeah. Well, fortunately, my dad before he checked out, I I did tell him that, and he said he of course said no. You got that from your mother. That was what he, so yeah, he said that. But so you get the throwing <laughs> under the bus. You get that also from them as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but no, no, like I, I, on the weekends, I, I have uh, like a sleep aid. So I'll sleep more on the weekends than I, but the only way I can sleep a legitimate amount of time is if I'm uh, drugged in some way, but I, I don't want to be addicted to that stuff. So I only do yeah. it uh, occasionally on the weekends to try to get caught up on sleep, which I don't think is actually a real thing. I don't think you can actually get caught up on sleep. No. I think it, that's bull crap, but you know. So it's well. brought to you by the same people who tell you that breakfast is the most important meal yeah. of the day. Yeah, it's yeah. all about marketing, man. That's what it's all about, Aaron, right? It's all about slick marketing. First in, in the mind, right? You got to be first in the mind. People form their opinion. They don't want to change their opinion. It just gets passed down generation to generation. It's wild. The idea, and and just to kind of put a bow on, the uh, go back to sports, kind of bookend this. Uh, yeah. What's What do you make of the idea of, athletes and their platforms. And we had uh, just recently Naomi Osaka uh, withdrawing from the French Open because of mental health issues. You had, of course, last year, all of the athletes coming out uh, uh, after George Floyd's death and everything. When we were growing up watching sports, you had very few athletes using their platform. You had, I talked about it with, with Ted Sobel recently. You had Muhammad Ali, you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you had Jim Brown. And for decades, it was really just those three. And, and now athletes are actually expected to come out and, and have an opinion on almost anything that's happening in society. Yeah, well, I don't like it. I mean, because it's obviously not what I grew up with. And, you know, it seems like this is a bad, bad path to go down. Because, and I'll tell you why. Um, the, the whole model of sports, professional sports, is I'll use a phrase that's been used a lot recently, a safe space, right? They, they, yeah. You can go to a ballpark or an arena and it doesn't necessarily matter whether you're a team red or team blue, you can go there and, you know, everyone's united for one common goal and you don't have to be, you know, ha have this knocked over your head. Uh, LeBron James believes in so-and-so and it, 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 it looks like there's no going back to that. I don't think it's good. I know the NBA in particular that went full woke and they had the slogans on the court and the, uh, the uniforms and all that. Uh, they have lost a ton of money 
And uh, I just I was just reading a story today about the debt of the NBA and where it is now. Now, part of it's just the pandemic in general. Yeah. But yeah. I know from people that work in the NBA that have told me like the reason you don't see the slogans this year and all that is not that all of a sudden the world's been fixed of these issues. It's it was bad for business and it was it was affecting the bottom line of the NBA. And so they've they've taken all those slogans off the court and the uniforms this year, hoping to get people to come back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I grew up watching sports and I, you know, I didn't know Michael Jordan. I didn't know anything about Jordan's politics. I didn't care about Jordan's politics. I just cared about how he played basketball. And, uh, and I think one of the problems also is these sports leagues are way too obsessed with social media and they think that that's real. And it's not, it's like the matrix, you know, it's, it's, you don't know what's real and what's not real. And there was a, a story I was reading in, I think it was the Wall Street Journal. There was some- Look was at some, you, look at you with the- uh, uh, now, to be fair, <laughs> I, I don't subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. A listener sent me the story. Okay. All right. but, <laughs> You're like, let's, yeah. let's not get carried away here. Yeah, yeah. So there was some FCC fairness doctrine situation like right, that was being mm-hmm. adjudicated. I don't remember the details. I'm giving you the, the bare bones recap, but- they did an audit of online posts and they determined that it was like 80 to 90% of the posts were, were bots. They're just bots. That, yes. That people were buying to try to sway politicians and the politicians were falling for, it. I mean, so it works it, because you don't know what's real and what's not real. And there's, there's people making millions of dollars online by swaying the opinion of, of people that believe what they're seeing is legitimate and it's not. And I, I don't know about you, but my experience from the online world to just out and about, people's opinions are much different in the real world, at least yeah. I see, than the online world. So I'm a, I'm a big skeptic of that. But listen, sports has gone down this path. The people who run sports seem to be okay with it. And if they're, they're gonna cut down their audience, if they're okay with that, that's fine. It's, it's going to hurt guys like me that make our living in sports because we want everyone to be part of it. And I've gotten a lot of people say, I like your show, but I can't watch <laughs> so-and-so because of his political beliefs or whatever. Well, what's interesting is is that you got uh, you have somebody like LeBron James who made comments about China, uh, what, a, a couple of years ago or whatever it was, and and then was was ridiculed for it. So you gotta you gotta imagine like okay the opinions of somebody like LeBron James that we're hearing going forward are not necessarily everything he thinks because he might be running it through that China filter and saying I I, I can't afford to go down that road again so let's let's give people the opinions that they want to hear that will boost my image not necessarily you know how I really feel on everything. Well, and LeBron also has a lot of people around. He, he is a, a key figure for the Democratic side, right? He's a very popular player. And if they want to get a message out, they can filter it through LeBron James to get the message out. And, you know, you, you use the word pawn, but it, it cut, you know, there's pawns on both sides of the- he, He's King James, Ben. He's King James. That's, that's, yeah, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand. But uh, yeah, that, that the China thing, oh my God, what a, what a debacle. And even, listen, LeBron, he likes to brag. You, know, you ask him, he'll say, I'm educated. You know, I, I don't just say these things. I do my homework. And then we had the situation in Ohio where he tried to dox the police officer- 
who did a great thing, saved someone's life, who was, you know, potentially going to be murdered by someone else. And uh, yeah, LeBron really stepped in on that one. So he's done that a few times over the years, but Hey, he's, he's good for business as much as, you know, I have this love hate thing with LeBron. I love when the Lakers lost because I'm not a LeBron fan, but it's content. I talk, it's content. Yeah, I talk about LeBron a lot. I need more people like LeBron because it's much easier <laughs> to talk about him than guys that don't move the needle. If people get a reaction, as you know, Aaron, you want to get a reaction and LeBron James gives people a reaction, whether they like him or they hate him. Let's go back to content. The idea that you overnight, you, you can, you have a decision to make. You can either roll through it, all of it solo. You know, you've got 12 or 16 segments to fill or 20, whatever it is. Uh, you can roll through it solo a la Rush Limbaugh to a certain degree, Jim Rome to a certain degree, and maybe take some calls here and there. But I feel like you've done a really, really good job of finding that balance of I'm the host. You're going to hear a lot about what I have to say, but I'm going to make sure callers are a big part of the show as well. And I feel like you've really uh, found that balance. How long do you feel like that took you to, to really, you know, kind of find your groove? Yeah, it took a long time. I mean, I, I was able to hide out on the weekends. Thank you for the, the kind words. I appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> I, I was able to hide out on the weekends, Aaron, and, and really try different things and, like throwing spaghetti against the wall, seeing what's you know stuck to the wall and what I liked and what I thought sounded good. And really, the, you know, the ultimate thing here is you have to do the kind of show you would want to listen to. So I was like, well, would I want to hear this? And I was like, I like the callers, but I don't want too much of the callers. And if the callers are going to be part of the show, I want them to be you know not just generic brand callers. I want something that stands out a little bit. And we've developed a, the Maller Militia, this whack pack of people that call the show that are very loyal. My minions who follow me around, <laughs> and, you know, whether they're, it's beer drinking Brian in Kansas City or we have a drag queen caller from, from Rochester, Buffalo, uh, some, some strange characters in the night. And I, I think I've determined the reason they all find me is because there's hardly anyone else taking calls. Like pretty much everyone. <laughs> well, by, the radio, by now they're yeah. all on tape. Uh, a lot of the overnight stuff, it even yeah. more so than before. I mean, it, it don't don't get it twisted. Radio has spent a lot of time overnight on tape, so it's yeah. it's not as if that's something new. But it's certainly more common now than ever before. Yeah, and even you know, during the day, most shows don't take a lot of calls or any calls because it's just consultants say it's bad and I get it. I understand you want professionals on the radio, uh, but I don't have any guests. Like I, I could come in. People ask me like, why don't you have guests on? And I, yep. I could come in, but I, it's the whole tape thing. I don't want to, I, I, to me, that's more of a podcast thing. I do a podcast and I do some interviews on that. But the, the reality is that for, for me, it's like, you know, I want to do the show live. I think the, the cool thing about being on at night is people are alone, they're working, they can't sleep, they've got insomnia. And it's kind of cool to know that there's another human being that's up <laughs> at the same time you're awake and you're not alone. You're not completely alone. There's some other idiot out there who's who's uh, awake and talking and all that stuff. So, but yeah, it is, it is by trial and error and you have to find the right formula, the right recipe. And uh, I've got a pretty good recipe, but you still got to, you still got to fine tune it, right? You can't keep yep. doing the same thing over and over again. You got to try to keep it fresh and vibrant and alive. Otherwise you get replaced. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's always the battle. It's always the battle. It's like, what's well, good, but can it be better? Well, you also need support for management who we all understand. They don't really listen. 
you know, overnights. But at the same time, you, you, you need them to say, Hey, you've got time, figure it out. You know, you've, you've, you've got like a college coach, you've got three or four or five years or whatever to kind of figure it out. Maybe not that long, but the, the leash is a little bit longer because they're like, Hey, he's got to find this balance. He's got to, he's got to find his groove. Yeah. And my bosses have been really cool. I, I know I have one boss that stays up late that goes to bed. He, he tells me, he's like, by one in the morning, he's gone. So I, I can really do the more risque stuff <laughs> after, after one, one in the morning. <laughs> All right. So you can listen to the Ben Maller show uh, overnights on Fox sports radio, but especially after one o'clock Pacific. Yes. That's when it gets good. That's when the good stuff comes out there. And uh, it is odd though, the way it works, because I actually have more people listening the last hour because it's 5 a.m. I got those early East Coast people that are going to yep. work. They're trying to get to jump on traffic. So it's it's weird. Like I, it took me a while to kind of process that because, you know, in, in California where we are here in L.A., it's like there's not much going on at two in the morning. But in, in Boston, there's people leaving their house trying to get the, the jump on the traffic going into work or Atlanta or Miami or whatever. So. It's uh, it's an interesting thing how that that clock works and how there's more people listening when I you know I, it's like the West Coast goes to bed completely and then the East Coast kind of wakes up and gets their day started. This is the third time, by my count at least, uh, third time that uh, Ben Maller has been on this podcast. Two were just by name. First off, Jake Warner. We've already talked about Big Brother Jake. Of course, you and I, he and I talked about you in, in the episode we did together. Uh, and then also your name came up while I was talking with Andy Reesmeyer, one of the hosts of KTLA five live, uh, really? because he is also blocked by William Shatner on Twitter <laughs> and he worked <laughs> with William Shatner. He worked really? on a show with him. And then all of a sudden he says the entire crew was just blocked. Oh, well, that's one of the great, uh, that's, that's a good story. By the way, I, I, we have an update here. Now a listener I don't even know if it was a listener of mine. Somebody paid William Shatner to unblock me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shatner had me blocked for several years and he was trying to generate money for his, I guess he does a horse charity in Burbank or something like okay. that. I don't, I don't yeah. Know he he's a big equestrian guy. Okay. Yeah, that would yeah. make sense. So, so he, he had all these things on his, uh, his website to auction off to, to raise money for horses and, somehow my name came up there and somebody cut a check to the charity and he what? unblocked me on, on Twitter. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So I I've been blocked and unblocked, but I might've told you on the last podcast, but it's been a couple of years. So, yeah. I did with you. so one of the great nights of my career in radio was William Shatner on a flight from LAX to Germany. He was flying overnight, like a red eye flight. And he blocked me and a bunch of other people. And he was in such a hurry. He was so, all he was doing was playing on his phone on Twitter on the flight to Germany. And he kept blocking everyone from my show. So I say, hey, hey, you know, they were like, hey, William, Ben Maller says hello or whatever. Block. And so he was blocked. But he was, he was in such a hurry to block these people. He actually started by accident clicking the follow button. So we had, I had like the, you know, the, the janitor, the truck driver, the random security guard that were getting followed by William Shatner by mistake because he didn't, he was in such a hurry. He was in such a panic that he was accidentally hitting the follow button instead of the block button. It was oh, that's fun. tremendous. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, ben, you and I have been friends for many years. 
I, I cannot thank you enough for all your support over the years, especially the last year and a half. And I, I just, I, I love knowing that I can pick up the phone and call you. I love knowing that I can, you know, send you a text and you're going to reply. And, and I know that if I ask you to be on whatever I'm working on, you're going to say yes. And that that's huge, man. That's huge. So thank you. I really appreciate well, for, it, man. Well, listen, uh, a mutual admiration. I am a big fan of yours. I uh, listened to you all those years on KFI. I thought you were wonderful. You're great. There's, you know, there's people on radio, but there's only a small percentage of those people that are good at radio. And, Thank uh, you, man. and you're, you're in that group. And so I always, I honor people that, uh, that are, that are really good at their job and you're, you're one of those people. So, and, and plus, I mean, you've been through your life has been upside down. I commend you on keeping your head above water here because it's been crazy. And so continued success Thank you, and man. Uh, upward and onward for you and big things, hopefully in the future. Talk to you soon. Ben, and we'll listen to you on the radio, Fox Sports Radio Overnights. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. You can watch this episode on YouTube and DB&A TV. Follow the Aaron Bender podcast on your favorite platforms and link to it at AaronBender.com. That's also where you can find all my social media. If you have guest ideas or comments, email me, AaronBenderMedia at gmail.com. Be well, and thanks for listening.